0: Hey everybody, I'm Adam Hunter And welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted Thank you guys for listening Thank you Fox Sports for having us on Uh, I just got back from Bloomington, Illinois I was doing comedy At uh, Last Comedy Club, it was fun And uh, Sean McCorkle came To my show, he actually drove Three hours to come see me, big sexy McCorkle, which is, which is like, it was weird because I never met him before. I never met McCorkle uh, except on Twitter. He's called into the show a couple times, but one day all of a sudden McCorkle's like, see if you could roast me. A- and I, don't, I didn't even know who that was. Even, everyone, so then he starts roasting me, going, uh, uh, yeah, Adam Hunter, you couldn't, uh, you know, you better sleep outside but, but so that way you could hear crickets and feel like you're on stage and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So then I wrote him back. I said, Sean McCorkle couldn't get screwed by Cecil Peoples," and then this started a huge Twitter war. I'm like, "McCorkle, you, all your your fights should air on Comedy Central. You could watch your, your your last fight on on, on 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 Vine." It just it kept going on and on, and uh, and he was a really good sport about it. And we became friends actually from that from from the, the Twitter war. We became friends, and uh, and he's and he's always texting me. these, like crazy text that he texts girls and this and that he's really funny he's a funny dude so I I told him I was coming to Bloomington Illinois he's like I'll come you know I'm like how far is oh it's only a three-hour drive which to me is pretty crazy and next thing I know I have Sean McCorkle in my hotel room before my show we're watching War Machine fight on Bellator who won by the way which I'm proud of War Machine because the guy's been through a lot he also has come on the, the podcast and uh very interesting guy. I remember last time he was upset because people were ordering him mail hookers to his house somehow on the internet, and he was very upset about this. But, um, you know, it's cool to see. And I actually wrote, he made the, he made the uh, semifinals. This is the first time you hear War Machine and semi in the same sentence due to the fact that he was a porn star. Uh, and he, he, he laughed about it. So me and McCorkle, so we, we, he comes to my show, and he's huge, by the way. He's fighting Pujanowski next week. He beat Pucinowski already in a, in a by an armbar, and McCorkle's give me the whole in, insight about how you know how a lot of the times him with other guys and they're fighting how they kind of set up like okay we're gonna we're gonna make fun of each other we're gonna start a trash talk war we're gonna build up our fight which I you know I kind of knew that but it's like it's funny to, to hear it from the from the, the, the actual source. So uh, so McCorkle tells me that you know he's um so we're we're out later that night and it's me him in this like. Nice guy who's kind of like a McLovin. This guy Mike and so this like McLovin kind of guy. It's kind of nerdy guy from Road Trip with glasses and awkward. And, and he's like, "Man, McCorkle, you're the coolest guy ever. And I want to be like you, McCorkle." And it's it pretty funny, right? He's the guy's drunk, and uh, I'm asking McCorkle, "I'm like, hey, since you got a fight the, the next week, are you do you get kind of tense or are you on edge?" And he weighs about three ten. I'm talking about, when I see this guy's huge. He's huge, wearing an Affliction shirt, way too tight. And McCorkle's like. No man, I'm like the nicest guy in the world. You know, I'm just I'm just a nice. I'm just try to be a nice. And then his eyes light up. His eyes get huge, and he runs over because I guess somebody, the nerdy guy that we're with, who, like was walking to the bathroom, and we're, we're at a bar with a bunch of frat boys. It's like, in like Illinois State's right there, and he and he, the guy trips into somebody. And this frat boy pushed him. And all of a sudden, Sean McCorkle comes out of nowhere and goes, what are you doing to my friend? He goes, the guy goes, uh. He goes, I will kick your ass and then I will have sex with you, right? But he said it in a a way that I can't say right now on, but okay, but he said yes. It's basically, now the only thing more intimidated by having Sean McCorkle come at me would be to have him say, I'm gonna have sex with you. Like to me, if I was, I was like, and the guy basically like took a crap right there and that was it, but it was pretty funny. The whole thing was very entertaining, and that guy's got a good story. And Good luck, McCorkle, in your fight against Pujanowski. He said that Pujanowski was rude to him afterwards, didn't say good fight or anything, so now he's really going to try to break Pujanowski's arm. So that's, uh, that's that fight's coming up next week. Uh, let's talk about the fights that happened. 165. John Jones versus Gustafson. A lot of people are asking me what I thought. Who won? This is a real tough fight to score. Um, I thought that... Gus Gustafson won the first two rounds. I think Jones won the last two rounds. That third round was very close, very close, hard to score. I would almost say it's an even round and the fight should have been a draw. I could see the fight going both ways, which by the way, we need, we need, we need a better name for that, like, could go either way. Maybe, maybe since Shayna Baszler called in earlier and said she can go either way, maybe that, that show could have been a Baszler. Maybe that's. I'm gonna to try to start that now. That show, that, I mean, that, show, that that fight could have been a Basler. It could have went either way, um, and it's tough. I think, I think you know, Jones was a seven to one under uh, favorite in this. Uh, Gustafson was a seven to one underdog, and I honestly have to say that I think Jones overlooked Gustafson. I think that uh, a couple months before the fight, John Jones tweeted a picture of him with a huge gut, holding it looked like he was pregnant. And saying, "Oh, I, I gotta get in better shape," you know. Look, when you're the champion of the world in your weight division, and people are saying that you're pound for pound the best fighter, and, and you're you're starting to become known as the best fighter in the world in all weight divisions, you should not be posting a picture of your big gut hanging out. I, I'm sorry, I, I hate to be the I hate to be the the bearer of bad news and the guy. But look, you know, it's like, uh, and then. That was sign one of, like, maybe he's not taking this fight seriously. Then, the week of the fight, he's saying he wants to box a Klitschko. Now, you know, it's one. It's, when Anderson Silva was saying he wanted to fight Roy Jones before his fight with Weidman, that, that was ridiculous. First of all, Roy Jones wasn't even, isn't even in the top 30. He's out of his prime. Roy Jones, in his prime, was one of the best fighters in the world, if not the best fighter. But this is Roy Jones, like, eight years out of his prime. And I still think Roy Jones would beat Silva in a boxing match in an MMA fight, no contest. In a boxing match, Jones wins. When we're saying that when John Jones is calling out Klitschko, either Klitschko, Vladimir or Vitaly Klitschko, who's 265, not even in the your weight class and saying he wants to box this box this guy, are you kidding? That would that would be a murder. It, it wouldn't be it wouldn't go longer than one or two rounds. And why are you focusing on Vladimir Klitschko when you got fighting Gustafson? Gustafson's is not saying I want to box a Klitschko, so that's number two of overlooking your opponent, and and that's the thing. It's like Gustafson, you know, it's funny because we have Mark Munoz here or Munoz here, and he was saying that he thought Gustafson was going to win, and I said I thought he was he was being crazy. He goes, no, his his takedowns are are on point. He's taking me down in practice, and that was and he said the takedown he was going to use was the exact thing he used against John Jones, which was pretty amazing actually. And then Gustafson's training with Phil Davis. With Brendan Vera, who are not exactly John Jones's body type, but but they're tall guys with a lot of length. And he's taking this very seriously. And he's also a 71 dog, 721 dog, so he's got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. He's he's supposed to lose. So you got a guy like John Jones who's talking about boxing a Klitschko, he's posting pictures of himself out of shape, and then he's saying he wants a movie career. He goes, Yeah, I wanna be like The Rock. Dude. The Rock is a very special type of actor. He's got this charisma. He's got this he's great on the mic. It's why he was so good at wrestling. He he connected. I mean, I, I'm sorry, John Jones. I, I think you're an amazing fighter, if not the best fighter in the world, but I don't want to watch you in the, the Tooth Fairy 2. I, I just don't want to see John Jones in the in the Tooth Fairy 2. I, I I don't think that's the movie I w I wanna see. Now, I'm not John Jones hating. I'm a big John Jones fan. I met John Jones at the MMA Awards and he could not have been cooler. He was a nice, he was humble, he was he was super nice. It was me, him, uh, Scrape, Punk ass, and Tom Sizemore in a room. And Tom Sizemore had no idea who John Jones was. And I was trying to explain to Sizemore who Jones was. And I was like, Jones, man, that move you do where you where you touch the guy's leg and you come back with a spinning elbow, that is the coolest move ever. You know, and Jones was super engaging and super nice. I think he gets a bad rap because he comes across arrogant, he doesn't really talk that much. He comes across, you know, people with the whole DUI thing, and and he, you know, John Jones is John Jones. He he's an amazing athlete, but he's also a guy. In this last fight, he said he fell in love with his boxing. When a wrestler, when I'm calling John Jones primarily a wrestler because he started out wrestling, he was a the guy's two-time state champion of New York. He got a scholarship to Iowa, which he didn't take because instead he he uh, he he went somewhere else. He he got his girlfriend pregnant and took wanted to be with the kid and, and raised the kid. He obviously a guy who who has character and you know uh, a, a very accountable guy. But I think he st- when he started off as a wrestler and then became a striker, uh, secondly, you know, a lot of these guys who fall in love with their striking, who start off as wrestlers, it doesn't go very well for them. You have to kind of stick with your base and move out slowly. Look at a guy like Josh Koscheck, who was primarily a striker, primarily a wrestler, and then became a striker, and that it didn't go very well. He had to get back to his roots. And that's that's another thing that, uh, that I thought went wrong with that. But as far as, the, like, you know... Everyone's saying Gus was robbed. I don't think he was robbed. I think it was a, I think it was a pretty good decision, actually. I, I, you know, it used to be in boxing, you, you had to beat the champion in order to win. It's not necessarily that's how it is in MMA. and you know, I don't want to start that now. But, for example, I thought Frankie Edgar losing to Ben Henderson in the second fight was way more of a robbery than this fight. Um, other fights I, I thought were actually... We're we're actually not 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 as not not as uh, as uh, close. I think a lot of times when a guy's a seven to one underdog and he's fighting a guy like John Jones, who's looked so unbeatable in all his fights, people are, are looking to give the other guy, you know, the close rounds. I think, he, first, okay, draw is what I thought it was. I thought the third round was even, so that's what I think. Uh, there were a couple other fights in the card. The Eddie Wineland. Uh, Baral fight, I mean, how good is Baral? I mean, the guy hasn't lost in 30 fights. I was saying that like, the last time he lost, Dana White had an afro. I, I mean, the guy, he's he's unbelievable. He he hasn't lost in 30 fights. I think he lost his first fight ever and went on a 30-fight win streak. And these guys from Brazil are just, they're hungry. They're, I'm not saying Eddie Wineland is not hungry, but these guys, like, when you get these guys who are from, you know, countries who, who are very poverty-stricken, and not that the U.S. isn't, but you get these guys who grew up in Brazil, or, or the other guy, uh, Nurmagomedov, I just butchered his name, from, from, from Russia. You know, my friend John uh, Roy, who's a comic, has a really funny story, a funny joke, about how Europeans in the NBA can't get intimidated. He's like, you're not going to intimidate a guy from Bosnia, a guy from Serbia. What are you going to say to that guy? Dude, check out my double dribble. Hey, what are you going to do? My country was was blown up in 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 in, in, the, in the war of Kosovo. I mean, I mean what what are you going to say to these guys? So it's sort of the same thing. And, and, and these Russians, um, actually, Bellator is being very smart. They're not just signing fighters now. They're signing are fighting they're signing teams. They're bringing, they're signing the entire team from Russia and bringing them over, and uh, and 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 you know. I kind of felt bad, actually, for Pat Healy in that fight because Pat Healy's a guy who lost $130,000 after his last fight due to a marijuana test, which went to Brian Caraway, who then said, Hey, man, smoking pot is wrong. I mean, come on. Uh, dude, and, and then hey, he had to get st- then they stick him with a fighter who's 20-0, and 0, never lost, who's a three-time Sambo champion, whose takedowns are insane. So, uh... So yeah, Eddie Wineland. By the way, back to him. Thought the fight was stopped too early. I disagree. I thought it was a pretty good stoppage. Um, you don't want to see a guy take take unnecessary punishment. Uh, I have, I'm going to watch it again though. I I you know, but I think that was a good stoppage. I think you know these spinning back kicks are just they're hard to train for, and they come out of nowhere. And the the, the shots that hurt you are the ones that you don't see. And it didn't seem like he saw that that that, that shot coming. Um, by the way, me and Brian Callen, who also has a, who has a podcast on this, had a big debate at the Improv the other night, how he thinks Anderson Silva is going to murder Weidman. And there's no way. I mean, of course, there's always a way, but I don't think it's going to happen. He was trying to tell me that that in like the first fight, Weidman was fading and would have lost. I talked to Chris Weidman about this when I'm on the MMA Junkie radio show, and Weidman said he has trouble breathing, and in, in every one of his fights, his mouth is open. Because there's something wrong with his nose, he has to breathe through his mouth. Look, it wasn't a fluke. Chris Weidman is the real deal. He is. I I, I followed him back in the Hostre days. He's an amazing wrestler. He's got great jujitsu. I mean, he lost a Gavao and Abu Dhabi championships back in the day, which on after like a month of training jujitsu. I'm not, I'm exaggerating, but it was very shortly. I mean, everyone that has trained with Weidman has said that this guy's a monster. I mean, he's, he's you know, the, the Sara Longo guys were saying, you know, that Weidman's going to be the next champion. He, it wasn't a fluke. It, he was winning the fight against Silva. Silva then kind of freaked out, said, I, I got to use some kind of mental warpath, you know, do some kind of crazy things where he starts taunting. But there was a reason that he flipped out. Weidman took him down easily. And was pounding him before going for a uh, heel hook or a knee bar or whatever he went for. He, which, which what he chose to do, you know. GSP picked Weidman. A lot of fighters were picking Weidman. He was a two-to-one underdog, and and was more fighters picked Weidman for that fight than anybody ever has picked against Anderson Silva. You know, and it just, I don't think he's getting the credit he deserves. He was also a lot hungrier. He had lost his house uh, to uh, to um, Hurricane Sandy. He was, he was broke. He, he needed money. I mean, he, was, he got $48,000 for that fight. Silva got $600,000 for that fight. When you get that kind of financial discrepancy, obviously, there's going to be—one guy's going to be hungrier. But I think he's going to win the rematch. I do. I think Silva, being 38 years old—and this is not to say he's not the greatest of all time. It is not to say he's not an amazing fighter. He is. He, he's, I'm not putting down Anderson and Silva— What I am saying is speed is the first thing to go. And a lot of times, some of the things that Silva was getting away with were the same things that Roy Jones was getting away with, with hands down, taunting, being fast, doing matrix-type stuff that eventually catches up to you. It's like when you have your hand—I mean, it caught up to Muhammad Ali. When you have your hands down in a fight and you're hitting people, they can't see where your hands are, okay? But it's not great technique because you're— Entire upper body is exposed. But when you're that fast and you have that good reflexes and you're that you know amazing, you can get away with that kind of stuff. But when your speed goes, which it does, I mean, 38, 39, 40, I'm 35. My speed left when I was 21, okay? When your speed goes, it, that those type of habits are hard to break and they're also tough to live with. So that being said, I like Wyman. Uh, Costa Philippu, who lost in his fight. That was kind of sad because Philippou was a guy who, a very underrated guy. Nobody knows him. He actually asked me all the time to make fun of him on Twitter to get more followers. And it's hard to make fun of that guy because, you know, you look him up and there's not much to make fun of. He's like Greek, you know? So, uh, but, you know, he, he, he lost to Carmont in that fight. Uh, and,. Uh, you know, he actually moved out of the Cerro Longo camp, which I wouldn't have done. Once again, I think it might be a, a kind of a Uriah Faber thing where I don't know what I'm talking about, like Uriah told me last week. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what exactly went on in the Cerro Longo camp. I'm not in Long Island right now in Merrick or wherever that is. I'm just saying that if you're training in the camp with the world champion, and they're bringing in world champion sparring for you, and you've won your last six fights, might not be the best idea to move, to move camps. That's all I'm saying. Okay, you could hate me for it. I'm not nothing wrong with his new camp. I'm not putting it down. I'm just, you know, looking at things through my perspective, right or wrong. And by the way, a lot of haters out there are telling me Adam Hunter blah blah blah, you're not funny and you're this and you're that. Okay, okay, Adam Hunter. Blah. Listen, I've been doing this 15 years. Okay, 15 years. I started doing comedy back in laundromats and supermarkets and donut shops. Go on, true life. I'm a comic. And you could see me in a supermarket and a donut shop telling jokes. I've been rejected by the best of them. Uh, by the be- I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've bombed on stage. It's it's over hundreds, maybe over thousands, but I keep getting up and doing it, and I love it. And eventually, after 15 years, you know, I make a living at it, and and, and I travel the world. In the last month alone, I've been to Singapore, Bahrain, you know, uh, Diego Garcia, and. Where was I last week? I was in uh, Tahoe and then Bloomington, Illinois. Okay, so, and that's just comedy. I do my best. I give it my best shot. This is what I have. I give my a text from Last Fight. I did a podcast as good as I could do. I could do, I do the MMA Roasted videos. I do my stand-up videos. I wrote two scripts. I'm trying to sell a TV show. I sold another one. Okay, this is what I do. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Just, just move on. Do your own thing. Do it better. Okay, go start your own account. I'll do what I do, you do what you do. I won't put you down because I don't care. I got my own stuff to worry about. That's, that's, that's all I can say. If you don't like it, just, just move on. You don't have to tell me I suck and this and that. And I understand it's free speech. You can do whatever you want. But just know that I'm not telling anyone else they suck because I don't have time and I don't care, okay? I, I'm, and, and don't tell me I suck and they ask me to go on your podcast. It's just not going to happen, all right? That's, all right, so... Uh, funny thing that happened during the the Philippou fight. I, I, so Philippou said he wanted to fight Bisbing after he won. He obviously got he got wrestled wrestled by uh, Carmont, and uh, you know he didn't lose. So after the, during that fight, I actually wrote out Michael Bisbing agreed to fight Philippou as a joke, and then of course people tagged Bisbing. Really? Oh, figures that you would call out somebody that you just lost. It was a joke. And then Bisbing wrote, who did I call out? So now Bisbing's in this thing during the fight. And then now people are like, you called out, Melanie uh, Rosa just said that you called out. And he goes, Bisbing's now going, no, you idiot. I didn't call out that guy. I, I, I'm not going to call a guy who just lost. So now Bisbing's in this. <laughs> it's kind of a funny Twitter war. But, you, you know, Bisbing actually, uh, he's got a good sense of humor. And he listened to the podcast with Mark Munoz last week because he wrote last night on Twitter, Mark Munoz wants to hit me in the ass. Sorry, man, I'm taken. And he uh, he was he's a pretty pretty good sport. I I'm 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 a bit of big fan. Um, I'm Mark Reno's fan also. It's gonna be that's gonna be a great fight. Uh, more things that we could talk about before we get to our guests. So Nate Diaz tweeted yesterday that he's not gonna make the UFC uh, Tough Enough finale because he has a high school reunion. Yes, Nate Diaz. I don't even know if there were high schools in Stockton, but but I guess there are and Nate Diaz is going to one. A high school, I don't know if this is a joke or, or, or what, but these guys are hilarious. I mean, the fact that he writes, sorry, can't make it, high school reunion on Twitter, and that's it? I mean, it's almost like Andy Kaufman took over Nate Diaz's Twitter account. But, but that was, that's hilarious. I mean, I, that was funny. I'm going to leave it right there. And also, Tito Ortiz, Rampage, and the Shamrocks they plan on crashing UFC 20th anniversary, and someone said like, I think that they have the wrestling confused with MMA. But yeah, they plan on crashing the event, and they they started. It's like the Expendables got together, uh, which is something that like was on the MMA uh, was on the uh, the the underground. But they, but yeah, they got together, and now and now they're gonna crash it, which is hilarious. First of all, I think it should be like those old NWO, uh, these, the old NWO wrestling, where like like Hulk Hogan and all those, the the guys, they they became bad. And then if a match wasn't going well, all of a sudden you hear NWO. And they would just come and just throw the guys out of the ring and grab the microphone. That's what Tito Shamrock should do. They should just go in there. If a fight's boring, they just storm in there, throw the guys out of the octagon, and start talking. I mean, that's hilarious that that they're all getting together on. I mean, come on. I want to see it. I want to see those guys crash. The twentieth anniversary. I think that would be hilarious. They got to film it though. They got to film it, and that should be on like a separate, like meanwhile, like a like a like a picture on picture screen where you could see on the bottom of the screen Tito and the A Team down there crashing it. I think that's that's brilliant. Good, good for you guys. Good for Tito and Rampage. Uh, We are going to call Jim Ross right now. We have Jim Ross on the podcast, who is a legend, legend, Hall of Famer. Commentator, referee, wrestler. He wasn't a wrestler. Yeah, he has he has wrestled. According. He does, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yes, he's a wrestler. He has his own cookbook, barbecue sauce, and we're gonna call him right now.
1: Hello.
0: Hey, is this Jim Ross? Yep. How's it going? It's Adam Hunter. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Terrific. I, I, it's a, I'm, it's an honor to have uh, one of the greatest commentators in the history of wrestling on the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks very much. It's, it's very nice.
0: That's no, the truth, man. When I, when, I, when I was a kid, I couldn't tell you how much I, uh, I I was the biggest wrestling fan. I mean, I had I had like my bar mitzvah theme was Adam's No Holds Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> That's great, and I, I was I was a huge fan of Hogan and Rick Rude and Jake the Snake and all those guys. The Hart Foundation that was the, the, that, that was like my 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 era were those guys, you know.
1: I think the business uh, was a good babysitter for a lot of uh, folks over the years, so that's good. Good to hear.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, I I, I rented every cause back then. You had to have a you had to rent a, a tape. I rented every tape in my video store wrestling. I mean, every, every WrestleMania, every, you know, it was just, uh, I even had the, uh, the uh, soundtrack of, uh, and I even watched the cartoon of the guys singing on, like, the ship. All the little wrestlers would sing on the ship to start the cartoon. That was my thing.
1: Your parents must have been very worried uh, <laughs> at a young age when you're, you're young, so I'm glad you turned out all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sort of. So, uh, so what's going on? You're, you're thinking about going into the MMA commentating?
1: Well you know that's uh I think that kind of got blown up a little bit you know it's it's an interest uh, I've got a lot of interests uh, and I'm a big m m a fan so uh, it was a question that was asked and and certainly uh I won't close any doors on any opportunity uh, i'm not you know I'm smarter than I look and i uh you know I am maybe not known for our intelligence but uh I'm certainly not going to turn down any opportunity that uh that sounds like a fun uh a fun journey you know even though I'm no longer a WWE and quote unquote retired from them uh as I've mentioned and I'm not retired from life I've got plenty of interests and plenty of things I'd like to do so and that's one of them you know I'm a I'm a fan of MMA and I but you know I can say the same thing I'm a fan of football right uh, uh so I'm, there's a lot of things I, I, I like doing. I like writing. Uh, that's probably going to play in my situation. And, and I just had a one-man show that I did in the U.K. Uh, that did uh, my first kind of maiden voyage in that area. And uh, we had great success there in those. And uh, so I would say if anything is at the top of my list right now, it's probably pursuing the, the, the one-man show touring, uh, which uh, we we are – working on, uh, you know, kind of putting together for 2014.
0: Now, what's that about?
1: Well, it's it's just kind of about uh, how I uh, came from uh, uh, a chubby little only child growing up on a farm in eastern Oklahoma to uh, becoming uh, uh, an EVP in WWE uh, to broadcasting, uh, you know, some of the biggest uh, sports entertainment events and the history of the business and, and getting in the business in a very unlikely manner. You know, I didn't have relatives, I didn't have, a, I didn't have an inn. I kind of backed in, I kind of came through the back door and, and went in the territory days, which were very wild west, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll era in the 70s, and, and then surviving all that and, and migrating through the ranks and uh, earning a, you know, a, a decent level of success. In a very unique field of entertainment.
0: Did you get involved in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll at all, or no?
1: Well, I—I'm uh, not going to go into a great deal of detail, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't a wallflower. You were in a wallflower.
0: So I was not
1: a wallflower. So it was sort I, of- I was one of the boys, you know. I, like any anybody in that era, you know, you—you you had your share of fun, and uh, uh, and uh, it was hard to have fun. It's hard to have a lot of fun when you're making forty dollars a day. Yeah. So uh it was a, but it was a unique experience and uh it was a unique culture, you know, it was a unique era for for everything, you know. Uh in the seventies was a unique time. So and then I migrated to the eighties and, and then the cable, the invention of uh uh of wrestling, pro wrestling on cable TV, I was able to be at the right place at the right time for that. Uh the beginnings of pay per view, uh I was in the Early days of that, so I, I, I've been able to be lucky enough to go through a lot of unique eras that uh, uh, you know I've, I want to write about. I want to talk about. So that's kind of what our, what my one-man show is about. And I've had three bouts of Bell's palsy, which is a facial paralysis. I've got a southern accent, as anybody that has hearing can determine. Uh, so I'm not. I wasn't the most likely of candidates to maintain a broadcasting career. For as long as I did, and you know and I, but I persevered, and I just refused to let any of those uh, issues define me or sidetrack me. I became mostly invested in what I did, and I've done that with everything. even even the year I did uh, XFL football on NBC, we didn't have a great game on the field, but I prepared like it was a Super Bowl. I was invested in that per- in that process, and that's kind of how I uh, approached everything, quite frankly.
0: No, you have a very uh you're a very inspiring guy. Um what what happened with the WWE? Now, you said that you retired were you let go. What a lot of people want to know what 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 really happened.
1: Well, you know, I think it was a it was it was a lot more mutual than uh the internet reports uh are uh, reporting. Uh, you know, the uh I think it was this time. I think it was time for both of us to move on. Uh I I, I kind of I started to, I was thinking the other day. So, well, you know, I, I'm I, I was going to stay as long as Mario uh, Mario stayed with the Yankees as a closer, but uh, that probably wouldn't be very believable. Uh, it was this time, you know. I'm I'm ready for something new. I, I, there was nothing really left to do there in WWE. Enjoyed my time. Uh, people forget I had 19 years in pro wrestling before I ever got to WWE. So it wasn't like I haven't had a a long run. 39 years is a long time to do any any one job. No. So it was I just thought it was time to do something else and there's while I'm still young enough and healthy enough, uh, you know, I wanted to try other things. So it wasn't as chaotic or as uh, as much as a calamity as some are making it out to be. Uh, no ill will toward them. You know, i made a great living there. Uh and uh, so, but it's just time. It's time to do other things that, that I think uh, I can contribute.
0: No, you definitely have a certain uh, style that just resonates with the fans. I mean, the fact that, like, at one point you were, you were brought back as a heel, and the fans didn't make you a heel because they, they, they liked you too much. <laughs> uh, you definitely have this, this thing that fans just love to listen to you, and I think that would be great uh, in the MMA world. Are uh, Now, are you familiar with, like, a lot of the jiu-jitsu element and then the wrestling element and the boxing element?
1: Well, the, as far as I've been a boxing fan, my dad was a huge boxing fan. So back in the day when boxing was really big, and I understand that boxing is big now uh, if you always include Floyd Mayweather. Uh, but when boxing was really big across the board, my dad was a huge boxing fan, and I, I read all about boxing. We watched the Friday Night Fights with Don Dumpy. Uh, sponsored by Gillette Super Blue Blades every Friday night. So I grew up as a boxing fan, number one. Secondly, I grew up in Oklahoma where amateur wrestling is king. Right. Uh, and it has been for generations and generations. So the wrestling, the ground element, and the wrestling element is something that I'm not unfamiliar with whatsoever. Over the years of watching uh, the uh, mixed martial arts, since the Bob Meyerwitz days in the early 90s, Uh, I have uh, tried to acquire a level of knowledge on the uh, uh, jiu-jitsu elements of mixed martial arts. To tell you I'm an expert at it would be a misnomer. In other words, a lie. Uh, But I am probably uh, more of an in-depth fan than than some would perceive. Because when I like something, I I jump into it. I really study it. I want to learn more about it. And that's kind of in what the, the, the element that I needed to catch up on was the jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu element uh, in, in, in MMA. So uh, I believe that if you're a broadcaster and you're a storyteller and you're a communicator, no matter the sport or the entity, if you invest yourself in it, you study, and you, and you damn sure want to do a good job, uh, it can be done. And I believe that uh, maybe it sounds ego, egocentric, uh, of which I probably have an ample amount of confidence that I could probably broadcast anything I set my mind to if given an opportunity. Right? Does that uh, sound like a turd?
0: No, no, no. You sound like a guy who's 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 a Hall of Famer. I mean, you sound like one of the. That's that's something that you know that you should. I mean, I understand that. Uh, and I think you, you know you, you raise a lot of valid points. Um, who were some of your favorite fighters to watch?
1: Well, you know, I got, I got I, of course, the, I get, uh, I like Johnny Hendricks because he's an Oklahoma kid. Got a hell of a big fight coming up. Yeah. And I got a lot of confidence in him, and I enjoy watching him. He's, uh, for a lot of reasons, he's passionate. He, he brings that, you can tell his passion, and he's tougher, tougher than a $2 steak. This kid is really an animal. He was a great high school wrestler in Oklahoma, uh, you know, wrestled at Oklahoma State. I'm not an Oklahoma State fan, I'm an Oklahoma fan but you can't help but respect him. But I think George St. Pierre is one of the Ethan artist. He's a Rembrandt in the Octagon. Uh, I like to watch Anderson Silva. Uh, I love the fact that he seems to, uh, Sans the Brazilian fans seems to build on the fact that he's, uh, uh, he's a villain to some people. Because some people, he's so good at people want him to lose, which is a John Bones Jones syndrome right now. He's so good. He's like Floyd Mayweather. I did a blog the other day about that. I said, you know, Jones has taken on some of the properties of Floyd Mayweather because a lot of people buy his fights to see and get his ass with. Uh, and Jones is in that category. Sort of don't take anything away from him. He's that good. And you have to be that good to get that kind of reaction. Uh, I was a big Brock Lesnar fan when he went to MMA. I recruited Brock Lesnar uh, with our team out of University of Minnesota. We started recruiting him as a junior in college. So uh, I've, I've got a... Uh, had an affinity for uh, Brock and MMA, but uh, there's a lot, you know, I I, love, I like the class and the dignity that Cain uh, uh, Velasquez carries. Uh, you got to love the skill set of Junior Dos Santos. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to their rubber match and uh, the, their third uh, match coming up uh, later later on in this year, and uh, that's one, as a matter of fact, that was pretty close to me. I may have to try to so if I can't wrangle some tickets for that one, that would be a cool match to see if, if, in person.
0: Who do you think wins that fight?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I still like uh, Velasquez. Yeah, I, I, right. th- I like Velasquez from a si- simple standpoint that his wrestling skills are just uh, amazing. And his, his uh, cardiovascular conditioning is about as good as I've ever seen for someone that big. So until—but, uh, you know, here's the deal. When there, unless somebody changes the rules and they maintain wearing four-ounce gloves— Anything can happen. Uh, no one's bulletproof, but I'm going to go with uh, with Velasquez uh, uh, in the in the rubber match simply because I think his ground game is too overpowering, and he's got this uh, amazing motor that just never stops.
0: Now, now uh, you were in charge of recruiting a lot of guys and uh, getting the guys over, and like a lot of behind the scenes stuff in the WWE and the, and, and also the NWA. Uh, would you want to do something like that for MMA? kind of like build up the brand
1: well it'd be an, it'd be an intriguing uh, challenge you know uh, it, it's a general question but yeah you know that, that would interest me uh, I've always had uh, uh, in, I've always enjoyed communicating with athletes uh, I enjoy uh, you know they they want to be they want structure whether they want to admit it or not they want leadership and the, the main thing that they want and I think this is what Dana White provides these guys is, is just point-blank honesty uh, they don't want to be told how to make the watch. They want to be told what time it is. And honesty is always the best policy. And uh, so you treat them like a man, you generally get uh, good results back, unless they're just, you know, unless they're just cut out of bad cloth. And then I have the Jimmy. I always have the Jimmy Johnson, uh, the old coach of the Cowboys, philosophy. I'll do all I can to solve your problem. But if we've exhausted all our opportunities, the only thing left I have to do is eliminate the problem. And you tell them that up front. Right. So, and I think they like that. So, they, they, yeah, that would be that would be interesting. You know, uh, working with with talent and, and uh, helping them maximize their potential. Right. Uh, maybe give them a few pointers on how to communicate. Uh, not doing wrestling promos, but simply being able to be yourself and uh, be succinct and and be honest. But would you, I think you fans love the honesty.
0: But a guy like Chael who seems to cross over wrestling and MMA. And it seemed like Brock did that for a while, don't you think that, and like at least some, with some of the guys in like say Bellator or World Series of Fighting or some of the the undercard guys in the in, in the UFC could kind of use that uh, to kind of build their brand.
1: Well, if they're smart, they will. Uh, you, you have to make the fighters have to make uh, a, an emotional attachment to the fan base, and the fans pay the tab. And so if you can make the fans uh, care for you either in a positive or negative way, uh, like we, we used as the illustration from Mayweather earlier. Uh, you know Muhammad Ali did that very successfully uh, for you know, his entire career. He was the greatest heel ever in boxing, and then he became the most beloved figure in boxing. And uh, having uh, spent some time with him, he explained to me why he did that, and, and it was just a matter of selling tickets and, and creating an emotion. He he enjoyed being the bad guy, and he got a lot of that from watching wrestling as a kid. But I think you see that in the NFL. You see it in a lot of places. uh... You know the art of the soundbite. So if those guys in the lesser MMA organizations, and and certainly that includes in M- the uh, UFC, which is the NFL of MMA, guys that can express themselves in an honest, concise manner, speaking the truth and how they really feel from their heart, and not being uh, intimidated doing it are going to do themselves favors down the road as far as their paydays are concerned.
0: Now, according to uh, to Rick Flair, what was it was it Haku or Tama? Who was the guy? He said uh, was it probably Haku. Haku. He said Haku would have beaten anybody in the UFC um, because he was the the biggest badass that he's ever seen. He, I think he was telling stories about him taking someone's head off or something, or uh, something kind of crazy. Now, who do well,
1: you... Haku may have beaten him up, <laughs> and beaten a lot of guys in the UFC in a bar. But the last I looked, uh, money was made in the octagon. Right. I have great respect for Haku. He is a badass. As he was, is, and a wonderful, gentle soul. Now, let me tell you, the guy that is the sleeper that a lot of guys have probably never heard of that would have dominated the UFC, in my estimation, was Danny Hodge. Dan Hodge was a three time national champion at Oklahoma in wrestling, never lost a match, never, lost, never gave up a point, it was never taken down, no one ever escaped, and then he went on to win the National Golden Gloves Boxing Championship. Now, when he put all that together, and the fact that he went to two Olympic Games uh, and was an undefeated three time national champion, the only reason he wasn't a four time national champion is when he wrestled, freshmen weren't eligible. And then he, tra- then he has no boxing training and becomes the top heavyweight boxer in America, to me, that's a recipe for success in the UFC. It's just too bad he was generations before that. But he's the one wrestler that's uh, probably obscure out there on the, on the fringes of the radar. If somebody wants to Google him or whatever they do, uh, he's, he, w- he would have been the man. He would have been awesome in the UFC uh, today.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, but also Danny Hodge, okay, and then uh, Kurt Angle probably. Kurt Angle lost, I think, Mark Kerr five to four, or beat Mark Kerr five to four. Went on to win the uh, gold medal. Mark Kerr went into the UFC. Uh, Bob Backlund, right? Wasn't Bob Backlund, a, um, or was it Pat? Pattinson? Bob
1: Backlund was a uh, was a Division Two uh, national champion in wrestling and an All American at defensive end at the same time. So any any time you look at those two sport guys that uh, play football and wrestled, you automatically know that they're a beast because they're not wrestling around the clock. For like a guy like Bruce Baumgartner back in the day, wrestled 12 months out of the year, then a guy like Steve Dr. Death Williams, who was a, a three-time All-American at Oklahoma as a heavyweight, uh, played football, played in four bowl games uh, as an offensive lineman for Coach Barry Switzer, he wrestled part-time, but he was still one of the badasses of, uh, of amateur wrestling. He's another guy that would have his skills would have transferred, uh, translated very well into the UFC if he had if he had been around and viable as it is today when he came out of college.
0: Now, uh, now, what happened that on? There's a story about on an airplane of Brock fighting Kurt Henning. Was it? Uh, did you were you there?
1: Yeah, I, I actually uh, was the stupid one that uh, asked them to stop. <laughs> And uh, they weren't really fighting. fighting. Fighting—it was just horseplay. It was like two freshmen in high school scuffling. But the issue was that we were 35,000 feet uh, in the air, and they were fighting in the emergency exit row aisle. Or fighting is not a good term. Not not, fighting can fighting is uh, indicates that they were angry at each other. They were having fun. They were best friends. They were great friends, Uh, and they were uh, just—they were horsing around more than anything. But when you get Two guys that big, that strong, and they started horsing around. Uh, it uh, it looks sometimes a lot worse than it was, but uh, it was a uh, it. Was, they, and when he, when we, when I asked them to stop, uh, they were they were cool. They did right away. There's no problem. So, uh, but they did have a little scuffle at 35,000 feet. The thing about Mr. Perfect, uh, he picked his spots. God bless him. He's gone now. But you know, nobody really wanted to deal with Lester in that environment.
0: Yeah. Now, it seemed like a lot of guys didn't want to work at Lesnar because he was too hard on people. Uh, that that's that was the word in wrestling. He kind of didn't know how to pull punches or he sort of... Is, that, was it, is there any truth to that?
1: Well, he was pretty rugged. He was pretty rugged, but we had a lot of rugged guys. But, you know, you go back to a lot of the old timers and, you know, the old saying is it's not ballet. Even though wrestling is showbiz and it's becoming even more showbiz, but back in back in the day it was a lot more athletically based you know it was my job as a broadcaster to bring some passion and uh storytelling to that and suspend your disbelief so if i could suspend your disbelief in a pro wrestling match and get you to emotionally invest in what you were seeing like you were talking about when you were uh, a kid uh why couldn't i do that in a real sport
0: i uh, know yeah i think i think you could i think did, that, did you see that like youtube clip of they have you they, uh, doing a voiceover of MMA guys?
1: I have seen that. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I've seen them in basketball. I've seen them in the NFL that, uh, Jadavian Clowney's hit. Uh, had a JR voiceover, which is kind of funny as well. So it's just a matter, again, as I mentioned earlier, you just, if you're a storyteller and that's your skill, that's your skill set, and you like what you're broadcasting and you care about it and you're invested in it as a, emotionally and in every way, then I believe that uh, nothing's impossible. Uh, but the issue that I, I want to always have, and I don't know if this is going to bite me in the ass or or not, is the fact that I am so identified with that genre that there may be some that have uh, reluctance to give me the opportunity to uh, be involved in MMA where I look at it as entirely different. I look at it as a positive because I believe there are a lot of displaced wrestling fans that are now watching MMA that don't watch pro wrestling any longer that would uh, enjoy my work. Again, uh, that's I sound like my own press agent, but that's <laughs> how I feel. I, I believe there are a lot of wrestling fans, uh, much like yourself, that have moved on, but they haven't forgotten where they came from.
0: Absolutely. No, I mean... It- I wrestled in high school and college for a little bit, and I never would have actually really wrestled if it wasn't for w w e wrestling so uh i you know i'm a huge fan and uh hey yeah, man i I hope it works out for you i think I think it'd be really smart for uh some of these organizations to actually bring you on i think that would be i think that they 'd be foolish not to uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing you man
1: well I got thank you very much i got plenty on my plate i got a lot of projects i 'm looking at and uh but the main thing right now for me is it's uh, football season and I'm going to uh, Notre Dame this weekend to watch uh, Oklahoma play Notre Dame. And that's at the top of my agenda right now. That's my, that's my, my, my biggest thing. And it's like a big Sharpie written on my to-do list. It's the very top. Uh, so everything else is secondary right now to, uh, to that. So a lot of things going on. I've had a blessed career. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, uh, no issues here with me, but, uh, uh, it would be great to have the opportunity to see how it would be. How how would it uh, sound? And I also believe that I could probably help in analyzing. If working with experts is uh, something that I would embrace, because engaging them in a conversation, bringing out points that I think the fans would want, would be intrigued to hear, uh, would be kind of kind of provocative as well. So we'll see how it all goes. It's all good, man. You know, if you got your health, uh, which I do, then everything else downhill.
0: Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks for calling in.
1: Appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. Hello.
0: Hey, hello. Is this the Venezuelan Vixen? Yes, sir. Hey, how's it going? This is Adam Hunter. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast.
1: What's
2: going on, Adam?
0: How are you? Congratulations on all your recent success. Thank you. Thank you. And you, you, you look beautiful, too, on the TV, by the way. You're a very hot girl.
2: Well, that's 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 saying a lot. But thank you, I appreciate that.
0: No, what you, you, I mean, come on, you know that you're a pretty girl, correct?
2: Well, I mean, I'm not like the most hideous person I've ever seen, but I'm pretty self conscious in general. So I, I, I get really awkwarded out when people say
0: all that stuff. It makes me feel really weird. Oh, good, good, good. We're off to a great start. So, um, now you, <laughs> so in, in in the first episode, uh, we'll talk about your victory over over Shana. Uh I think. You know, Shane, I think you were overlooked a little bit, right? People were you coming in as like right. the underdog. I mean, you want, to, you want to tell us about that fight a little bit?
2: That is correct. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I was underestimated. I think that nobody on my team thought I was going to win, and uh, I proved everybody wrong, so it, it feels good to to get that victory.
0: Now, now, after the fight, Shana said that 99 out of 100 times, she beats you.
2: She's a liar.
0: I mean, right. I mean, you think that that, that she was kind of like sour grapes.
2: Absolutely, and that's understandable, you know. But I don't think that you should ever underestimate your opponent. And uh, you know, I think that maybe she learned that now.
0: Right now, now you started MMA pretty recently, correct? I mean, you you were saying that you and your sister went to a gym and kind of picked it up. I mean, how many years ago did you uh, did you start?
2: All right. So I walked into uh, a cardio kickboxing class of jiu uh in the end of October of 08. I remember it was the end of the month. <laughs> and uh, I took my first MMA fight six months later, April of 09. Wow. And then, let's see, some severe injuries have happened. I got uh, ran over on the street and hit by a car, broke my nose, and uh, I got my arm dislocated in a fight against Morass. And... I had a torn ACL and a torn meniscus, so between April of '09 and now, I've been in and out with injuries and all that jazz. I'm sure I would have been more on the map had I not had so many serious injuries, but those injuries held me back for a while, so that's why they keep calling me an unknown.
0: How did how, you get hit by a car?
2: Well, you see, uh, I was being not so smart, and, um, my girlfriends asked me to be the designated driver five days before I had a fight in Alaska, and so I was out on the street, and, uh, I was walking on the sidewalk, and I was, like, lagging behind because they wanted to go to another bar, and I didn't want to go, and so I was texting on my cell phone. These guys came around the corner cat calling me. They're like, oh, I'm I'm a mamacita, mamacita, whoop, 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 and, uh, I didn't pay attention to them and so they passed this parallel parking spot and like stopped at the red light and then they reversed their car as fast as they can to the parallel parking spot that they had passed like three parking spots back and like wanted to go like I guess show me their sweet parallel parking skills and instead of like turning the wheel one way they just like slammed on the gas instead of the brake and jumped the curb and and ran me over and uh it was pretty
0: bad. Wow, was it uh, Rampage, driving the car? Uh,
2: no, no, I wish. Maybe I would have got a little bit more money out of him, but oh, man. actually I'm still, I'm still in the settlement, as a matter of fact. so.
0: Wow, that's, that's rough. That is, that, that is rough. Now I, It
2: was rough. I got my nose shattered and I took a fight, you know, pretty recently after that and took my first loss. So after that I wanted to hide under a rock and die and quit everything. It was terrible.
0: Now, was he talking about the, the loss to Sarah? That's right. Right now, are you now now? Do you want to avenge that loss now that you've seen her train? And now, I mean, is that something on your to-do list? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Good. Uh, now. I'm, I'm watching the show every week. And uh, I got to say, it seems like everyone in the house is mad at you. Uh, last week, yeah. last week, Anthony came on and said that you're constantly bending over slowly, showing your ass cheeks, you're, uh, you're teasing guys, you have a boyfriend, you don't have a boyfriend. How would you like to respond to this?
2: Um, I would like to respond to this by, everybody was super cool with me, and then the second that I said that I was kind of seeing somebody, the whole tune switched. It went from like, oh, you're so awesome, Juliana, Juliana, and then the second I said I had a boyfriend, it was like flatline. They all hated me after that. None of the guys talked to me, and uh, it, it, was, it was pretty disappointing, you know, just because I I obviously wasn't there to, to find a boyfriend uh, that wasn't, like I said, on my list of things to do, but when you're in the house for a long time, you know, you get to know everybody like the first week, so like after, you know, time goes by, you know, you're begging for things to talk about, and, you know, you start talking about some things because you're so bored and stuff like that, so... And the way that they edit the TV and stuff like that, you know, I kind of got caught up in, in the mix, and it makes it look like I'm trying to, you know, get with holds worth and whatnot, but that, that wasn't the case, and we were just having, like, a regular, normal conversation, and, and when I said, you know, that I was all about Friends with Benefits, I didn't mean me personally, I meant, like, I know a lot of people that do the Friends with Benefits thing, and, and that's totally cool, and all about it, you know, you guys do your thing, you know, but I wasn't talking about, like, myself, I was just saying, you know, I understand that kind of dynamics between relationships and stuff like that. As far as uh, Anthony goes, like I said, I just don't think that he was too enthralled with the fact that I was seeing somebody and that I wasn't interested in him in the slightest. And, uh, I don't know, I just think it's funny that, like, Cody Bollinger, like, the whole time he got there, he's telling everybody that he, like, how he, like, screwed his wife in the bathroom and, like, was talking about, like, all these sexually derogatory things and stuff like that, and he, like, constantly, constantly kept talking about people hooking up in the house and, like, kept trying to, like, pigeonhole me to being that person, like, when are you going to screw Juliana, blah, 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 and I'm like, dude, you keep saying that over and over, and it sounds like you're the one that wants to get laid around here. I don't know why you keep pointing at me. I don't know why you keep saying that I'm gonna screw somebody. It sounds like you're trying to get your dick sucked, but whatever, you know. Like they, I don't know, they hated on me for whatever reason. Nobody likes a winner, so I guess that was the case.
0: So wait, so you, wait, you saying Cody, well, Co- Cody was hitting on you or not?
2: No, I'm not saying he was hitting on me. I'm just saying I, they just like kept poking at me, like kept poking, like thinking that I was gonna like hook up in the house and stuff like that. And I didn't know why they were doing that. I don't know why they felt the need to 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 like. Put me in this position where I was gonna be like the tough slut or something like that, and just you know get down with everybody. I don't know why they thought that I was there for that, but that couldn't have been further from the truth.
0: Yeah, because I I know Cody and his wife. She's she is smoking hot. Um, but so they yes. so so the so they thought that that because you were so you weren't bending over slowly and showing your ass cheeks just for the for like for the for the record.
2: No, I live in Spokane, Washington. That's kind of like similar weather to Seattle. You know, we get all four seasons and whatnot, but... I'm in Las Vegas. I'm taking advantage of the fact that the sun is blazing hot every single day. You know what I mean? It's hot. Like, I was wearing shorts because that's what you do in the summer. I'm sitting in this mansion where there's a pool at my fingertips, and I can go swimming and lay out and tan pretty much for all day if I want, you know? So I was just taking advantage of the fact that I was living in a nice mansion and and just tanning and relaxing and, and enjoying my me time. I don't understand why they had to make such a big deal out
0: of it so you think that guys were turned on by you in the house and then when you said "I have no a-, no absolutely not i don't think that at all but no but what you're saying is that guys liked you but when you said hey i have a boyfriend everybody's kind of lost their erections and got upset is that sort of how it well, went th- I'm,
2: not, I'm not saying that that's for sure what happened I'm just saying that it's kind of weird that like the second that they thought that they knew that I wasn't available then the the tune kind of changed a bit and that's just me personally I'm not speaking for anybody I'm just saying that that's the way it felt to me
0: right no I I I I hear you I think I it did seem you know what it is Julia you know you're a very attractive girl you know, maybe the Latin thing was driving people crazy, but the the I gotta say though, the the British accent was, was very annoying. I, I I I I do get annoyed by those British accents. It's you have to stop with that. Yeah.
2: And, and and that's the thing with that. Like I was so enthralled with the fact that there were Brits in the house, and like I just like British accents. You know what I mean? And so like I was just trying to like have fun, lighten the mood, and, and be funny. You know what I mean? I was just trying to like. To, to try to talk like them. I was just trying to have fun, but I had no idea that it bothered everybody so much, you know? And so when they were like, quit talking like that and they all jumped my shit, I was like, wow, okay, sorry, you know? And then they all kind of attacked me. So I was just like, I don't care if you guys like me or not, you know, it's not going to affect me either way, you know, I didn't come here, you know, to, to make friends. This isn't a make friends show. This is uh getting a fist fight with these people show, you know, so I, I don't, if they're going to hate me, hate me, you know, if anything, it just, um, fueled my fire and, and made me, I was gaining power from their hate, if you know what I mean. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I just, Go ahead, hate on me. No, Go ahead. you're
0: talking to a guy. I get a lot of hate as well, and I think that, you know, I tell, I tell my haters, don't tell them, but you're better off ignoring me than, than showing your hate for me because all you're doing is driving me forward and, and pushing right, me forward.
2: Right, exactly. Harder. In the words of Cat Williams, you know, if you have uh, 15 haters by winter, you need to figure out how to get to 30 haters by summer. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Like, right. Hate only helps, in my opinion.
0: Now, do you have a boyfriend now?
2: Um, I am
0: seeing somebody. Now, are you guys exclusive, or do you, or do you hook up with other people? No, I don't hook up with other people. What's wrong with you? Well, I mean, If you're seeing somebody, does it mean you have a boyfriend? It means that you could be have, you know, you're kind of seeing somebody, but, you know, there are other guys out there that maybe once in a while you... you,
2: you I, I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing somebody. I kind of like to keep my personal life to, to myself. So that, that's what it is, and, and that's the end of discussion.
0: All right, and now now, just for the record, like, okay, let's say I did ask you out, right? Let's say you were single. How many dates would it take for me to get some?
2: Um, A lot. I'm kind of high maintenance, so you'd probably have to, like, lay, you know, you didn't
0: really have to impress me. Oh, God, that's brutal. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All I need is a butterfly milkshake, and a uh, nice. I'm in. I am. I'm in. That's you, <laughs> m- millions of milkshakes. We're, we're all right. So, all right. So, the the the, the last show we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, Roxanne lost. Got slammed on her head and lost to Jessica. Uh, what do you think went wrong in that fight for Roxanne? Um.
2: I don't know. I love Roxanne. She is a warrior. Um, I, I I don't know. I think that maybe, to me, after watching the episode, maybe, like, too many people were, like, talking to her, and so she was, like, thinking of, like, a 100,000 things and listening to, like, everybody and trying to do everything that everybody was saying instead of just fighting her fight. You know, I think she was probably just overcoached, and I probably didn't help by screaming my head off the whole time, but... Um, I, I don't know. I, I I don't think that you know. Roxanne went out there and and gave it her best shot and and uh, you know she laid it all out on the line and that's all you can ask for a fighter and I think that she did a great job and, and she hung in there and um, you know I think it, it's a fight you know so anything can happen so she just it wasn't her day that day and uh,
0: that's it. It seemed like her stand up though was needed a lot of needed a lot a lot of work. Like she was running into Jessica, just kind of running forward. And not, you know, it's kind of running into her punches and getting caught a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think her style is more of like a grappling type style. She's not, uh, you know, she's not like an experienced boxer like Jessica is. But, you know,
0: it, it worked for her the first round. Yeah, no, the first round, it definitely did work for her. I was, uh, I was actually, I was impressed. It just seemed like sort of she got a little more tired. It seemed like Jessica had better cardio. Didn't exactly. And I think that that's what it
2: was. You know, you asked me what was the problem. Probably the cardio is probably the only thing
0: I can say. Now, the fight that went on uh, between earlier in the episode with Dennis Hallman and uh, Edmund. Now, what's going Sorry. on? What's going on with Ed? It seems like Edmund has kind of a chip on his shoulder and, uh, you know, wanted to fight Caraway, And now he's moving up a weight class a couple and going against, against, uh, against Hallman. Next, he's going to call out Kane Velasquez. I mean, what's going on with that guy? (laughs) Uh, With Edmund or with Hallman? With Edmund.
2: Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. They're Armenian. They're crazy. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Edmund Edmund was nice to me. He was in my corner for the elimination fights, and and he was relatively sweet. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's safe to say that every fighter and in and, and any person in the fight game business has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So it's not to say that he has a problem. I just think that he's very protective of uh, his crew. And, and I, I like that. I like his loyalty. And I like the fact that, you know, he's uh, he's a bulldog for the people that he loves and, and he's going to protect them no matter what. And so I, I like his attitude. And, and um, I think that, you know, he just doesn't like – he don't. He doesn't. He doesn't take anything from anybody. You know what I mean. And, and so, he he was ready to throw down. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I actually didn't see that until the episode aired. And uh, I was actually shocked that that all went down. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, I, I mean, but, yeah, Hall, Hallman was ready to go. Holman would have got in that cage right then and there and just probably. Picked him, picked him apart in about two seconds. Because I've known Holman for a long time, and he's a monster. So. Yeah, I mean Holman's got uh, two
0: victories over Matt Hughes in less than a minute, uh, and not that Edmund's not a tough guy or a strong guy or a great striking coach. Absolutely. It just seems like why are you calling out, you know, guys with fifty wins in the UFC or thirty something wins in the UFC? It seems that that seems pretty in, pretty insane. Um, now, after the first episode, when Ronda was crying. Uh, you were quoted as saying that you were happy to make Rhonda cry. Would you ha-
2: uh, it's not to say that I was happy to make Rhonda cry. I, what I mean to say is better her crying than me. You know, this chick's trying to snatch my dreams out of my hand, and I ain't gonna let that happen. Period. So I, yeah, definitely better her crying than me. I don't I, I don't
0: want to cry. Yeah, I mean, me neither. Uh, and yeah. and finally, um, it does. You do seem like a spark plug. I have to say, the Venezuelan vixen. Um, and uh, you definitely seem like, uh, like like you're probably crazy in bed because uh, normally women that are that are this emotional and and this fitting are do they have a lot of issues but they, they take it out in the bedroom? Would you agree with this assessment or?
2: <laughs>
0: um.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Really? Well, I can only speak for myself. Not to say that I'm like you know some lizard ready. But I'm a very passionate person, so I think that I carry my passion wherever I go.
0: Wow! So, like, so, like, dudes are like limping out of the bedroom. Is that what you're trying to like? <laughs> no, 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 I've
2: been known
0: to body triangle a few times. No, I'm kidding. Wow! You, so you wait, you body triangle guys during during sex? This is so
2: uncomfortable. I'm totally joking. Oh.
0: <laughs> Kinda. I- kind of okay well well thank you i i think that you've uh i think you came across really well in this uh you're going to have a line of people i think uh cheering for you now now that you know that you body triangle dudes during bedroom times um but uh <laughs> good luck on the show i enjoy watching you uh i you 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 seem like a real don't let everyone get you down because it seems like Absolutely you, not. it seems like you're being picked on and uh and for no reason i mean you know i i yeah uh, i agree I was telling Anthony... You know,
2: I'm a, I'm a relatively nice person, you know what I mean? And it's only, like, if you... You know, you, you slap me once, then I know, you know what I mean? But for the most part, I'll give every, everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I was happy-go-lucky, try to be friends with everybody. It wasn't until they all, like, turned on me that I was like, okay, well, then I don't care about any of you guys. If you guys are going to be dicks, then, then go to hell, you know what I mean? Like, I tried to be nice. I tried to be cool. I put myself out there trying to be myself. Nobody was receptive to it besides maybe a few people like Holdsworth and Roxanne and uh, – and that was it, you know, if you don't like me, then that's it, you know, but what you see is what you get and I'm going to be me and I'm going to keep it real 110% all the time. So if, if you don't like me, then you don't like me, but I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> listen, I'm not losing sleep over it, you know, so I'm not too worried about it anyway.
0: Cool. Well, that's what I'd like to hear. Uh, and, oh, by the way, uh, the one thing you said about guys hooking up in the bathroom and girls hooking up with the guys in the bathroom, who was hooking up in the bathroom?
2: I have no idea what you're talking
0: about. You said that Cody said that, that people were hooking up in the house. Oh, oh, he was talking about
2: banging his wife in the bathroom before, before uh, we all got in the house and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I don't know. He was talking about all sorts of sexually explicit things. It was kind of weird.
0: <laughs> well, I can't wait to watch the rest of the season. Uh, good luck with everything, and don't be a stranger. Juliana. I love, Yeah, I know. You too. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. No problem. I, I totally appreciate it. Thank and, you so and, much. And if it doesn't work out with that guy, call me, please. Oh, yeah. I, I, you'll be the first on the list, Adam. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. Or a good day. You too. Bye. All right. Well, that was our show. Uh, thank you for, for listening to MMA Roasted. Uh, thank you, Jim Ross. Thank you, Juliana Pena. Uh, you could check out Text from Last Fight. Go to adamhunter.com. Uh, this podcast is on the Fox Sports website. And this is the MMA Roasted Podcast. Thank you guys so much, and have a great week.